It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Commander Carson is officially gone. That was fully expected. We all knew that. But a name that nobody was really talking about, including us, is as well. We'll tell you who and why next on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Come and join us. You are Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All righty, Commanders fans and NFL fans, we welcome you one and all and aboard to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're official daily podcast cover the Washington Commanders, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the WUSA 9 Plus app on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. But thank you for making us your first listen and view of the day. My partner, David Harrison, is in Indianapolis, where he'll join us on the next episode of Locked On Commanders. You can find David Commander Country. SI.com, Fan Nation, uh, where he is writing and covering the Washington Commanders and, of course, everything going on this week uh, at the annual Scouting Combine on SI.com. Meanwhile, I'm Chris Russell covering the Commanders for the Team 980, where you'll find me and Pete Medhurst live Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time on the Team 980 in the greater DMV area and worldwide on the Odyssey app, always live and free over there. All right, a couple of smaller but perhaps important names are back for the Commanders. Who and why we're signing them is more important than you think. But first, the logjam at safety was just broken up in Washington, while the most disappointing decision in the Ron Rivera era comes full circle. And it took less than a year. That's right. That's where we start. Commander Carson is no more officially released on Monday afternoon. And he is here for less than one year. Old QB one Carson Wentz. Now he acted as far as anyone can tell uh, with a lot of class dignity, uh, wasn't awkward as much as he had been accused of and out of place and weird and closed off and maybe a little self-centered and immature at times in terms of taking criticism None of that seemed to be the case, but it was a flat-out disaster on the field, and there's no other way to say it. The move saves the commanders $26.2 million this year. Plus, remember, he had another year tacked onto the contract, so theoretically, even though it's not being viewed as that being a savings, that is a savings towards next year's cap. There is no dead money. That's the great news in any and all of this. But it just simply did not work out. I think we all know that, and nobody is surprised by this. The Carson Wentz era started off fairly strong with a big win week one against what would turn out to be the AFC South Division champion, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'm sorry, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm thinking about Wentz's former team. They scored 28 points in that game, but he had a couple of bad interceptions, There was 
a lot of good in that game, the first two series, the final couple of series. Then there was a lot of bad in between. A couple of, again, bad interceptions, some sacks, some really curious decisions. I think I totaled it up. Uh, there was like a 26 or 27-play stretch in which they had like 88 yards and three turnovers. Not good. So they got fortunate. They got fortunate. But the season started off, you know, on fairly a high, 1-0. Then they go to Detroit, a team that everybody, except for me, expected them to beat. And, well, they got punked. The first half was an absolute disaster, but they did show some signs of life in the second half. So still people were encouraged. They scored 55 points in their first two games, which is an average of 27 and a half points a game, which for this organization, it was just unheard of, out of bounds. And everyone was jacked up and looking forward to a week three rematch already with the eventual NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles, and Carson Wentz's first game against them. And then disaster hit. They scored the 55 points in the first two games, but only 47 over his next four starts. Over his next four starts. That would be home for Philadelphia, away at Dallas, home against Tennessee, and on the road against Chicago, a game in which he got injured and ultimately finished, but didn't return after having surgery two days later. Then he came back for that one disastrous start on January 1st against the Cleveland Browns. But Wentz, in that particular game, got off to a horrible start. Nobody could have really expected that. I certainly didn't. After he finished the San Francisco game on a little bit of a heater, and you would have thought with a little bit more time in the system and you know, not a great Cleveland defense, it just started awful, an interception early, a bad throw early. The crowd was booing, chanting for Heineke. 143 passing yards, three interceptions, 24 to 10 loss to the Browns, which ended the season. In seven years, in seven years, 92 starts for the Eagles, Colts, and Commanders, Wentz has thrown 151 touchdown passes, 66 interceptions. It's not bad. It's more than a two-to-one ratio. But here's why you should never, ever, 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 ever judge any quarterback, any player, just by statistics, just by one set of statistics. And too often media, coaches, fans do that. 151 touchdown passes to 66 interceptions tells you, you know what, Carson Wentz pretty good. Just like the 28-7 to in Indianapolis a year ago. But it doesn't tell you the whole story. It doesn't tell you the completion percentage, the accuracy, the sacks, the hits, the injuries, the leadership, the mojo, the charisma. It doesn't show you any of that. All things that are important, all things that are check-the-box type things. It tells you one thing and maybe what you want to know. And remember how Ron Rivera kept saying, well, if we, we could just get him back to 2017. Uh, Ron. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Carson Wentz likely, likely, at least the initial thought for many, not just me, winds up in Carolina with Sam Darnold, the UFA. Of course, Baker Mayfield was traded to the Rams. The question is, 
What did Frank Reich, the new Carolina Panthers coach, really think of him after working with him again for a full year in Indianapolis? It was said that Frank Reich liked Carson Wentz very much, would have chose to move forward. I guess we'll find out. He doesn't sign him, even as a backup slash potential starter with Matt Corral, who spent last year injured in his rookie year, but was a fairly high draft choice. What does that tell you? We'll see. But that ends the one year, less than one year, Carson Wentz experience. Now, the name that was kind of surprising on Monday, at least to me, I wasn't, I got to admit, I was thinking about a lot of things and we think about a lot of things. I wasn't necessarily thinking about this name very hard. I knew there was a logjam, but I, because of versatility, I didn't think Bobby McCain would get released. And yet he did. The commanders releasing him. Now, it's possible that it may be a June 1st designation release in which the commanders would then save more money, about $4.42 million right now, if it's a regular release. And they did announce the release uh, without a June 1st designation. So right now, that's what we'll go with. It's a $2.3 $2 million savings on the salary cap. McCain had 76 tackles, 54 solo, one forced fumble, no sacks, no interceptions, did have the pick six for an interception in the final game of his first year in Washington, really struggled the first half of his first year in Washington in 2021, settled down, improved, played some slot, played some safety, can do a bunch of things, uh, pretty physical player, but ultimately, when you look at what they have at safety in terms of Cam Curl, um, they have Derek Forrest, who obviously emerged. They have Jeremy Reeves, who's a Pro Bowl special teamer and safety. They have um, uh, a couple of other players uh, slipping my mind uh, right now. Oh, Percy Butler, the fourth round pick uh, out of Louisiana Tech, who had some moments. So they are fairly, fairly deep at safety. Fairly. Okay. Now you say, well, well, he also played slot corner, and that's true. But there, Danny Johnson really shined and improved. Uh, both in slot and outside. Now, the problem is, is that Danny Johnson's an unrestricted free agent. So you have to kind of look and say, well, right now, this team right now, until Danny Johnson comes back, doesn't have a slot corner, unless the plan is once again to move Kendall Fuller back in there, which they don't seem to want to do, and to draft or and or sign another corner to complement Benjamin St. Juice. Remember, they started St. Juice in the offseason and in training camp and in the preseason last year in the slot. Don't think they're going to go back there, but I guess they could. But they also have right now, right now, St. Juice, Christian Holmes, the seventh-round rookie from a year ago. They have Kendall Fuller right now, Tariq Castro-Fields, Rashad Wild Goose, uh, I, a couple other guys. I guess they could bring back Quinn Elder. I think he was on the practice squad all last year. Uh, they're likely to draft one very high. Some think in the first round. So, again, these roster moves are one surprising, one a, li one a little surprising, I should say, one not surprising. Um, according to ESPN, or over the cap, I should say, they saved $28.49 million in cap savings and over $30.5 in cash. Now, again, that might be more in the cap savings 
depending on how they do the release of Bobby McCain. It increases the commander's cap space to, again, according to over the cap, $35.4 million for the upcoming league year. Now, as we know, they have a bunch of dead money, and they took on more dead money with Bobby McCain's release of $2.8 million. They still have $5.025 million, which I didn't realize, for Landon Collins, and still have $9 million, which I fully was aware of, for William Jackson III. So right now they have $17 million of an expected $225 million salary cap in dead money, which is a decent change, amount of change. Ideally, that $17 million could sign a really good player or two. They don't have that because of bad contract decisions or contract decisions that they made. All right, coming up, we'll give you as many highs and as many lows as we can. Detail on the failed Carson Wentz era. Commander Carson is done. And is this the worst move of the Ron Rivera era? I say it is by far. The why is next right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. But first, guys, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. That's right. If you're looking for a delicious treat, a late night snack, a meal replacement, a post-workout treat, then you got to try Built Bar. They're not only tasty, but they're great for you. Wonderful flavors. They're soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate. You can get great flavors like churro, love it, peanut butter brownie, my favorite. David loves the mint brownie. Only around 130 calories. Some have a little bit more than that. Four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, low in net carbs. And here's the great news. Normally we tell you, go to built.com. Well, now you can go to your local Walmart or your local Sam's Club. I saw them in Walmart down in Crystal River, Florida, when I was down there visiting my mom. Uh, I've seen them in my local Walmart here. I don't have a Sam's Club near me, but maybe you do. You can go get a 13-bar box of whatever flavor you want, brownie batter, churro, uh, at Sam's Club, or again, go into your local Walmart. Whatever your preference is, or you could still go to Built.com, check out all the amazing flavors. Grab yourself a Built Bar, a box of Built Bar, a 13-bar box of Built Bar. They are different, and they are hellaciously good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, yes, indeed. We are back right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Coming up, the best and worst of Commander Carson. But first, was this the poorest decision of the Ron Rivera regime? The answer is, is, is a resounding yes, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's been too many of them, but if you look at the net-net, two third-round picks that go to the Indianapolis Colts, one last year, one this year. Plus, they swapped second-round picks last year, which cost the Commanders, I think it was five, maybe six slots. That was the Federian Mathis selection. I, I think hopefully Big Phil will be all right uh, when he comes back from the injury, hopefully. Uh, but it did cost them a couple of spots in last year's second round. But the two third round picks, $28 million this year. A fiasco of press conferences from the Chicago postgame press conference 
to the, hey, quarterback, quarterback's the difference, right? What's the difference between all the other NFC East teams like Philadelphia and Dallas and even the Giants, who at that point had Daniel Jones not playing even that special and Ron Rivera said quarterback. Uh, Ron was, my understanding was Ron was disappointed early on in Carson Wentz, but he obviously had gone all in and he had to fully defend his guy QB one. It was a doomed decision from the start. The doom start on new year's day, but it was doomed from the start. Nobody wanted Carson Wentz, maybe as a free agent, nobody was going to trade for Carson Wentz yet. The commanders not only traded Something, they traded something of significance. Again, a couple of third-round picks, the swap of the second-round pick, and essentially, you could argue that it cost them their starting left guard and Eric Flowers, who they had to release, uh, and some others, right? So you can make that argument. Now, was it the worst decision? I think it was, strongly. But there have been plenty of other bad ones, like signing William Jackson the third starting the now late Dwayne Haskins unchallenged in 2020. Not planning on starting Sam Howell in the final game of last year against the Dallas Cowboys, having to be convinced and talked into it by Taylor Heineke and, as we reported, reported Marty Herney. Giving Scott Turner an extension and then firing him less than one year later. Drafting Chase Young number two. You want to make the argument instead of Justin Herbert? Okay, they had Dwayne Haskins at the time for whatever it's worth, or just Chase Young overall, who has clearly been a disappointment in many ways. Not adding linebackers this past offseason. Cole Holcomb got hurt midway through, never returned. Now is an unrestricted free agent. More on that in a little bit. Not addressing the offensive line significantly. Signing Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner. Trey Turner was never right, was never healthy. Andrew Norwell wasn't good enough. The Dustin Hopkins Chris Blewett disaster and fiasco. Oh. That was two years ago or a year and a half ago. Not going to the Senior Bowl. Not being in Command Central while conducting an offensive coordinator search. Not going to the Senior Bowl, not only to evaluate, but to network and to potentially talk to candidates, maybe about other candidates, while doing a celebrity golf tournament and a Super Bowl media tour. Again, all of those are not good, Carson, the move, and what it signified worse. Now, the best and worst of Carson Wentz in his short time here. Let's start with the positive. The best. Week one against the Jaguars, opening drive, they came out rocking and rolling. Short passing, um, running the ball well. Carson Wentz was very accurate. Uh, there was a backdoor screen to young tight end Armani Rogers, Armani Rogers. Uh, there was the quick touchdown to Curtis Samuel uh, in the right flat. And four touchdown drives in that game. And obviously the one big one, 49 yards in stride to Terry McLaurin, that really helped them win that game. Two to then rookie and playing in his first game, Jahan Dotson. There was a wheel route touchdown to Curtis Samuel. Started the third quarter in Detroit, week two. And a corner-slash-wheel-route beautiful throw to Dotson in Dallas week four, near the end of the first half. There was a 75-yard touchdown in perfect 
perfect stride. To Diami Brown against Tennessee. Playing hurt in the second half against Chicago and getting a road win. Even though he didn't play great, he hung in there and persevered. There was the late touchdown drive in San Francisco, which got him that January 1st start. Maybe without that, Taylor Heineke starts. Who knows? Now, the worst of Carson Wentz, and there was plenty of it. Week two, first half in Detroit. The entire week three performance against his former team in Philadelphia at FedEx Field against Philadelphia, nine sacks could have been 11 or 12. Week four, Dallas, second half. After a somewhat encouraging first half, yuck. Week five, Tennessee, a game-inning interception at the goal line and missing Terry McLaurin on a slant that would have been a go-ahead touchdown late. Maybe the commanders would have been able to make the playoffs. Maybe. Week 17, New Year's Day, against the Cleveland Browns. Yuck. Carson Wentz played like he was hungover. And all of training camp, he struggled. And he was off. And he was off badly. And that led to a lot of speculation and a lot of questions and a lot of worries. And all of them, quite honestly, turned out to be true. Quite honestly, they turned out to be true. That was the best and worst of Carson Wentz, who I think, again, distances himself slightly from all of the bad decisions of the Ron Rivera error, not era, error, E-R-R-O-R. Coming up next, right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast, we tell you why two key re-signings are more important than you think and who they are. Plus, Dandy Dan, once again, making late headlines right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, back with you on LOC. Thanks again for being with us. David Harrison will rejoin us on the next episode from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. So late on Friday during our live episode, we got word that David Mayo and Jonathan Williams were officially re-signed to the Commanders on one-year deal. We didn't get a chance to really talk about it because we got the news during the show. We were kind of late on time, so we didn't get the chance to break it down. But here's why it's important. David Mayo is a a special teams guy, can play Mike linebacker, knows the system. He's been here a couple of years. Listen, he's athletically challenged. We all know that. He's not great. But think about this. John Bostick's a free agent. Nobody really fan-wise likes John Bostick. Team likes John Bostick because he's smart. Cole Holcomb, injured much of last year, is an unrestricted free agent. Don't know if he's going to be back. Don't know if he's going to be back. Khalid Hudson hasn't really developed. He's shown a little bit as a linebacker, but not much. 
Milo Eifler, same thing. Nate Jerry, unrestricted free agent, was hurt a lot last year. Jamin Davis, obviously, got way better as the year went along. But David Mayo right now, right now, would be the starting Mike linebacker, right now. Now, I fully expect them to address that in free agency of the draft, but right now, David Mayo is your starter. That's hugely important. Nobody's kind of thinking about that. Jonathan Williams coming back is important. Why? Because I like him in short yardage. I think they can use him more. He seems to me like a physical downhill running back, and maybe in this scheme of Eric Bieniemy's, maybe he can take on a little bit of the Isaiah Pacheco role or another role or as a compliment to Brian Robinson, who ideally would be a better version of Isaiah Pacheco in this scheme. But it's a physical, physical sport. It's a physical position, even without all the stuff Brian Robinson had to overcome. I think this is a low-key, very, very important signing back for the commanders. Both really are. And both might have been overlooked completely by the fan base and, quite honestly, by the media. Before we leave you on this episode, uh, and we'll have more details on the next episode as, again, David rejoins us from Indianapolis, plus uh, anything that he is uh, up to. We're going to hear from Ron Rivera. We're going to hear from Martin Mayhew uh, on, I believe it is, Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon from Indianapolis. But this, per the Washington Post, Dan Snyder wants the league and fellow owners to indemnify him against any future liability and costs in order to sell the team. So his attorneys, according to Mark Maskey, Nikki Javala, and Liz Clark, have demanded again that fellow NFL owners and the league indemnify him against future legal liability and costs if he sells the team according to two people with direct knowledge of the NFL's inner workings and the owner's attitudes said, whatever that means. Uh, Snyder's demands include a threat to sue if the indemnification condition is not met. And that has angered some owners and renewed discussion about the possibility of taking a vote to remove him from the ownership of the commander's if he does not sell the franchise, according to these sources who spoke on the condition of anonymity. There's a quote. He wants indemnification if he sells. If he sells, one of the people said. And the owners regard that demand, according to the Post, as quote-unquote ridiculous and absurd and believe that Snyder should provide legal indemnification to the other owners, not the other way around, for any legal claims that may arise from his and the team's actions. How about that? Whew. It really never ends. It really never ends. Again, we'll have as many more details as we can on that coming up on the next edition when David will rejoin us from Indianapolis. But for now, that's where we will leave this particular uh, episode. Thanks for making the Locked On Commanders podcast your first listen view of the day. Again, David will rejoin us from India and the Scouting Combine. We'll hear from uh, Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew over the next couple of days, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and David will be talking to some of the prospects uh, and just getting a feel for everything out in Indianapolis. Uh, and uh, will again rejoin us on the next episode. If you want to hop in, Go to Twitter, DM, at LO Commanders, or Locked On Washington Commanders at Gmail. 
NFL.com. Again, for David Harris, who is in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine and covering the Combine and more for SI.com's Fan Nation and Commander Country. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Ned Hurst show on the Team 980 and always live and free on the Odyssey app with Pete Medhurst. If you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and thank you for joining us right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Adios. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.